When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Dive in on Gotta Watch the Tape from Cleveland.com. This is Doug Marie. Something a little different on this Tuesday. We will be back with Scott Pasco and Ellis Williams for their traditional Gotta Watch the Tape on Thursday. They will break down Browns, Steelers, game of the century. They'll each take half the game and give you everything you need to know about those matchups. But on this Tuesday, it's just me and a very special guest. His name is Brandon Thorne, and he has tracked this year what he calls true sack rate and also sack score. He has a bunch of interesting breakdowns on edge rushers and who really the best edge rushers in the league are beyond sacks and pressures and hurries. And he'll tell you, those matter as well. But he he talks about guys, not just how getting a sack, but how you get it, who you beat, the moves that you used, how special was it? And of course, why are we having Brandon on? Because he's smart, but because this is about Miles Garrett. So it's about half an hour with Brandon. You're going to learn more about Miles Garrett. We talk a little bit about Brandon's process, why he does this, how he does this, and then we get into just how good Miles Garrett is and what a guy who studies every single pass rusher in the league, he's an expert on this. He studies everybody. What does he think of Miles Garrett? We know what you think. You like him. You think he's good. I think he's good, but what do we know? What do we know? Literally nothing. Nothing. Brandon's going to help us understand that better, so we appreciate you listening. Make sure you're listening to all the Orange and Brown talks in this feed. Get subscribed so you don't miss any. It's It's got to watch the tape twice a week most of the time. But then Orange and Brown talk, that's like practically every day. So we we have loved covering this Brown season. We've loved you guys being along on the ride. And we're going to have a special guest, Brandon Thorne, up now on Gotta Watch the Tape. Joined on Gotta Watch the Tape by Brandon Thorne, who invented a stat. Brandon, this is one of my favorite things that people in the industry do sometimes. When you see a stat and you think, how can I do better than that? And I'm super excited to have you on because your stat helps measure the value of a guy like Miles Garrett, even beyond, I think, what we learn from typical stats like sacks and pressures and hurries and that kind of thing. So, Brandon... Thanks for coming on. Why did you do this? Why did you come up with true sack rate? What inspired you to take on this project? So, yeah, I have to give credit to John Ledyard with uh, Pewter Report. He actually did this, you know, executed this idea, I think in 2017. He called it uh, contextualizing sack production. It was something that him and I actually discussed at the time. 
and he, uh, you know, he put it all together and did it for a year, I think, or so. Um, so, you know, just wanted to give him, of course, credit there uh, for kind of the genesis of, of the idea. And then I, you know, got his permission and just kind of changed it around a little bit and added a bunch of different, you know, factors and stuff like that to look for and made it my own, basically. So, um, but the idea behind it is, you know, when you look at sacks uh, for pass rushers and player evaluation, they can mean very different things. Uh, you know, I think all sacks are, you know, good regardless uh, from a team perspective, but, you know, from that player perspective, um, you know, they all mean different things. So I wanted to watch every single sack of uh, edge rushers this season and see uh, which ones were high quality or low quality, essentially. And there's different, you know, caveats in there, like low quality also consists of coverage and cleanup sacks. And then high quality um, also consists of rare high quality sacks, but, uh, and they all get different point systems um, and attached to them as well. And that kind of gives us the, the end result number, but, you know, I think it really gives us a, a much better idea of, which pass rushers are earning their sack production as opposed to just stumbling in into sacks, uh, which, you know, happens, I think, much more than people realize. So I think it gives a more accurate way of uh, reading the stack, the sack statistic, as opposed to just the raw number. I mean, I think we all realize that, even, you know, casual fan watching a game, you see sometimes a guy gets a sack because, the quarterback gets pressured from the other side and runs into a guy who's just standing there and that guy gets credit for the sack or the coverage right. is so good that clearly the defensive end didn't really beat anybody, but the quarterback held the ball for five seconds and eventually the defensive end got to him versus the moments where the truly elite defensive ends are doing things. The edge rushers are doing things that not many other humans could do. And that's what leads to a sack. And again, because Miles Garrett is such an interesting person to analyze, it, it's why it makes you a perfect guest for this podcast. But I want to make sure we get this out at the front because we know the business is a crazy business. Where can people, as they listen to you, Brandon, where can they get your information? Where, where can they follow you? Where can they read about all the work that you put into this? Because I want to make sure people off the bat know where to find it after they listen to you and say, man, that guy's smart. Yeah. So I started a, a newsletter uh, just about a month ago now or so, and it's trenchwarfare.substack.com. And people can go on there and put their email in and, and then get every article that I get sent directly to their inbox. And they can also uh, subscribe and that will allow them to get all my work. So there you could sign up free with an email you get one article per week. And then if you want everything, you have to subscribe. So two different, op well, a few different options there that you can look at, but that's where I do a lot of my work. And, um, you know, I do some other stuff for other people as well, but that's kind of my, my own baby, you know, if you will. Okay. So that's a good place. People make sure you wrote that down. We'll mention it again at the end, but write that down. Brandon, again, I love the process of this stuff. When you go through, you're saying you're watching literally every sack in the NFL this year, and then you're adding your evaluation and your grading, your rating system to that. What's your process for that? How long does it take you? I mean, I, get, I mean, you're rewatching every, do you just watch every snap or do you find in a play-by-play, -play, okay, here's where the sacks were. I'm going to zoom into them and go right to those plays on the all 22. What's your process of, of, of doing this work? 
So for this specifically, I just go to NFL Game Pass and I search every sack for the week. And then I go through and figure out which ones were done by edge rushers. And then I have another system to watch the actual all 22 early. Um, and that allows me to grade them because I won't grade a sack if I can't have the, the end zone copy. Um, just because there's some variables sometimes that you aren't able to see. I mean, you need to see the foot, the footwork and the feet of offensive and defensive linemen in order to grade them, um, you know, in, in, for any reason whatsoever. So, you know, I, I, I use game pass to just kind of find, figure out where the sacks are in games and by which players. And then I go through and watch the end zone copy of those sacks and, you know, I usually watch each sack probably like five or six times, uh, sometimes more, uh, just because, you know, it gets pretty nuanced and there's a lot of different things I'm considering when I'm looking at it. And I explain all of this uh, on my on my website. But, um, you know, I factor in a bunch of different things. I mean, you know, of course, coverage, uh, you know, the, the quarterback movement in the pocket or lack thereof. Um, I don't count sacks where the quarterback gets back to the line of scrimmage. So, you know, the, the NFL counts those, um, to me, that's just a tackle. So there has to be a loss of yardage. So that's eliminated, you know, a handful of sacks or so, like maybe a dozen or less, not a ton, but just some, um, I also look at the drop point of the quarterback, which I think is key. So, uh, from what I understand, uh, from what I've gathered talking to players over the years is, you know, quarterbacks are really supposed to drop behind where the ball is snapped anywhere from nine to 10 yards, anything more than that. And it's kind of on them uh, because the, you know, offensive tackles, especially they can't block at that angle when the quarterback is just dropping deep, you know, deeper than 10 yards for very long at all. It's just unrealistic for anybody to do that. So then that sack becomes the quarterback's responsibility uh, so there's some of those as well. Um, and in order to get a high quality sack, the pass rusher has to display you know, superior athletic ability and technique in winning a one-on-one -on -one matchup. Um, traditionally that comes against tackles, but I've seen a few against tight ends and running backs as well. Th those are rare. Usually those are low quality because the tight end or running back is just not a very good blocker. Uh, but sometimes the tight end is a pretty good blocker and the edge rusher just beats him soundly. And that can be in high quality sack as well. Um, so, you know, those are some of the things that I, that I look for uh, when I'm grading these. And then, like I said earlier, I give it, you know, either high quality, low quality uh, coverage, cleanup, or even rare high quality and rare high quality. I think there's been like 10 or so of those the entire season. And that's when a sack occurs against a very good or elite level offensive tackle. Uh, those are very rare, but um, those get more points than a, just a regular high quality sack. So um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of my process and sort of the grading scale there. So the process fascinates me. And then when you have someone who undertakes a process that maybe most other people or nobody else is really undertaking, I'm sure you always find information that other people don't realize is there. So I'm very curious when you've, now that you've done this project, are there more elite edge rushers in the league than you would have thought? Are there fewer elite edge rushers in the league than you would have thought? Or, or is it about what you would have imagined? Like, yeah, you know, cause again, you're evaluating 
not just the sacks, but the quality of the sacks. What, what's been your general takeaway of the quality of the pass rushers in the NFL? Um, it's kind of like right around where I thought it was because, I mean, I've been watching, you know, the trenches, offensive, defensive line exclusively for about six years now. And I have a pretty good pulse, I think, on, you know, which players are certainly the elite ones. I mean, I, I, I definitely watch those guys every week and I, I watch every game every week. Um, you know, I obviously try to watch as many guys in the trenches as I can when I do that. I can't watch everybody, obviously, but I, for every unit, offensive and defensive in the league, I have at least one or two guys that I watch every week. Um, so that's allowed me to pick up on certainly the, 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 the upper tier guys. And in doing this, uh, I don't know if there's necessarily a bunch of guys that are elite that I didn't know were elite. Um, but it certainly opened up some doors here of, of, you know, two players that I may, you know, I might've not being paid, paid it close enough attention to. Um, but I do also want to say, and just back up for a second that I, well, I think this metric is very valuable in replacing just looking at sacks. I think it's it's definitely not a all all inclusive way of viewing edge rushers either, because of course there's run defense, which isn't as important, but there's that that this doesn't account for, and then obviously pressures, hurries, quarterback knockdowns, and the attention that they take, the amount of double teams, you know, chips, slide protection all that kind of stuff isn't factored into this either. So it's just a piece of the puzzle of the evaluation. You, I, I wouldn't recommend looking at the true sack rate numbers and saying, okay, these are the best edge rushers in the league in order. Like it would get you, I think it'll point you in a very, um, you know, good direction and, and give you a good start, but it's just a piece of the puzzle. So I, I did want to say that, but um, as far as players uh, this season, at least, I mean, you know, Hassan Reddick has certainly uh, surprised me maybe more than anybody. And thanks in large part to that incredible game against the Giants a few weeks ago when he had five sacks and three forced fumbles. But still, he, he was having a good year prior to that. He has 13 sacks. Um, so he's, a, he's definitely a guy that I think has surprised me. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, I think, is having a very good season. That's not talked about enough. He's I mean, especially considering he's 32 years old. Uh, Olivier Vernon is having a very good year, uh, according to this metric, that not a lot of people I don't think are talking about. Um, Romeo Aquara for the Lions has really surprised me. Uh, Emmanuel Ogba with the Dolphins. And, I mean, Dennis Gardeck with the Cardinals is also a kind of a shocking guy as well with what he's done. So those are some names I think uh, – you know, Josh Sweat is another guy. I just came out with an article highlighting the 10 most underrated edge rushers, and a lot of these names are on there as well. Yeah, I was reading that that underrated rushers list. Then obviously for Browns fans here, it's a couple names on there jumped out to me. You just mentioned one in Emmanuel Ogba, former mm -hmm. second-round pick by the Browns from afar. And it's, listen, man, I just I go to Browns games and like rail about the things that everybody can see with their regular eyeballs. So it from afar, it, it feels like Emmanuel Ogba is having a really good year in Miami. Is he, and you said, you know, you've been studying the trenches for five or six years. Is, is he having a, a better year 
is he a better player now than he was before? Or is it just a matter of him getting the opportunity and he's always been kind of a good guy or, or what, what is happening with the manual Agba? Is it the Brian is Brian Flores and that defensive scheme doing something to put him in position to succeed. He's on your underrated list at number five. Why has he played so well this year? Yeah. So I think he was having a really good year uh, with the chiefs uh, prior to getting injured. So I don't think it's, necessarily super surprising considering that Uh, but when he was with the Browns and I put this in my underrated article he was kind of a predictable power rusher that rushed a lot over the guard and he didn't really have a signature move now I think he learned the cross chop move he added that to his arsenal when he was in Kansas City or at least started using it extensively in Kansas City and I think that really unlocked his game and allowed and made him a much more dangerous pass rusher because he had something to rely on that was consistent. Uh, but we just didn't get to see it a whole lot last year. He was having a very good year, but then he got hurt. So now in Miami, we're seeing him for a full season and he's using that cross chop move uh, pretty extensively. That's his signature move right now as a pass rusher. Uh, he has three sacks uh, or two sacks using it, both high quality. Um, he has five high quality sacks this season and two of them were with the cross chop. Um, and then he also has the bull rush, which is what he relied on almost exclusively in Cleveland, but it made him predictable and he wasn't that effective with it. So I think he's diversified his pass rush plan and it started last year, but now it's carried over into this year. And then of course, he's also, in I think a very good defensive scheme um, that affords him a lot of one-on-one opportunities as well. So I think it's kind of a culmination of a, a couple different things that have led to this point, but uh, certainly a guy who surprised me a little bit this year. Um, and, you know, he's right now, I think he's, yeah, he's top 10 in uh sack score. So, which kind of, you know, factors in all this stuff. So he's certainly having a very surprising year for many, but if you've been watching him the last couple, I think, you, you know, you, you may not be as, as surprised. Number nine on your underrated list is Adrian Claiborne from the Browns, a situational pass rusher. Is he giving the Browns kind of what you want from that? I mean, he's not a starting defensive end. You're not relying on him every snap. But is is this kind of what a team would want from a guy like that and how he fits on their roster? Yeah, I mean, I I think so. He's, you know, he's almost 33 years old. Um, He's kind of a journeyman guy at this point. He has a limited ceiling, I think, as a player, but he has he has ways, reliable ways to win as a pass rusher. He's only playing 36% of the snaps. So considering that, and he has four sacks, uh, three of them high quality. Uh, and he's another guy with a cross chop move is, you know, hugely important to his game. And it combines nicely with the amount of power that he has. Uh, so I think he, you know, I'd qualify him as just a, a very good rotational guy, not a guy you want starting. He's in the perfect role for, you know, what he can do, I think. And, you know, if, if they're facing an offensive tackle that struggles with his type of skill set, he can make them look really bad. And having a guy like that off the bench, I think is very valuable. Uh, not a lot of teams have that. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been a fan of his for a while now and he's, you know, made some noise here and there. Uh, Certainly not the career that you would have expected uh, from a first round pick, but I think he's carved out a nice 
you know, niche for himself. And he has a couple different ways to win as a pass rusher that I think are really effective. Olivier Vernon, the other non miles Garrett Brown's guy that, that you have mentioned already. He, he is pretty high up there in several of your metrics. Mm -hmm. He's a guy. It felt like at the beginning of the year to me that he wasn't all that productive. It felt like sometimes he just was stalemating guys a lot and, just I don't know that he didn't seem to be using his moves that well, but it seems like he really has played a lot better in the second half of the year. And again, you're the expert here. You, he he is grading high in sack rate and sack rate per snap, uh, multiple things that you have here. What have you seen with Olivier Vernon? Yeah, I mean, you know, he him and Garrett, I think, are the only two guys that I've charted that have, all of their sacks are high quality. So it's, it's pretty incredible for Vernon to, you know, for Garrett, it may not be as surprising, but for Vernon, I mean, he has eight sacks and all of them are high quality. Like I said, he has one against Lane Johnson. So he has one of those, you know, rare high quality sacks that I don't come across very often. He beat him with a bull rush uh, and Lane Johnson is an elite right tackle in the league. Um, so, I mean, part of this, you know, and why I mentioned it earlier, you can't, you know, judge edge rushers as a whole based on this one metric. Um, I don't think he's an elite pass rusher by any means, but he's certainly a good starter. I think uh, like an above average type who's having a very good year. Now you look at some of these sacks, uh, even though they're all high quality, he's beating all these guys one-on-one, -on -one, nothing's cheap. He is beating uh, a lot of below average backups, you know, so I chart all who all these sacks occur against. So he has two against Sam Young, backup right tackle for the Raiders, two against Tyree Phillips, uh, backup right tackle, rookie right tackle for the Ravens. So that's four right there. So half of his sacks are against those type of players. Um, they're still high quality because he beat them soundly. But when you dig through this a little bit more and you look at his actual individual chart, you can kind of see, and that's how a lot of these players are, uh, you know, that rank highly or having good years, they have favorable matchups and they capitalize on them. Uh, there's a lot of backup uh, offensive tackles in the NFL playing uh, this year, especially been a lot of injuries, been a lot of, you know, other things that have kept guys off the field. So he has another sack against uh, George Fant, uh, the giant, the Jets right tackle, who's a starter, but he's not very good to be honest. So that's five of his sacks. Uh, right there. So, you know, he, he's having a, you know, I think he's an above average player. I think he's the same guy he's been, you know, since I started watching him with the giants. Uh, he's a good power rusher. You know, he wins with the bull rush. He wins with the push pull. Um, and, you know, he's a good run defender as well, I think. So he's one of those all around guys, you know, he's solid, he's reliable, not that flashy, but he's having an excellent season. Uh, at least in sack production numbers and at 30 years old and, you know, everything, I think, uh, you know, it's been pretty impressive. Yeah. That's to, to my untrained eye. That feels like what it happened, what happened with Vernon, the bull rush works. He might do something and, and, and move a guy back and, and blow up a pocket. If it, if the bull rush doesn't work, then that might be it. And that he doesn't always have as many tools in the toolbox as some of the other guys do. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely fair. He has the bull rush and then off of the bull rush, he has a push pull. So he starts bullying a guy, pushing him back, and then he pulls him real quick and, you know, swims over the top or something like that. And that's kind of his, 
the extent of his repertoire. You know, that's why I don't have him as one of the more underrated rushers in the league, for instance. He's a guy I thought about, but, you know, not for very long because I know that he's not necessarily a highly skilled rusher, but he is an effective rusher, um, you know, especially depending on the matchup. All right. Let's dig in now on the guy that it feels like to me in looking at your analysis, Brandon, and your metrics and the, and the high quality sacks and the sack score, just the way you analyze this, it feels like miles Garrett is separating himself in a way that even just a raw sack number wouldn't indicate. I'm just, I could, I think I could talk to you about miles Garrett for six hours, but before we get to the specific numbers of Miles Garrett, just the last, you know, you've been watching him now since he came into the league. What is your overall take on Miles Garrett as a pass rusher with the way, how closely that you have watched him this season and during his career? Well, I think he's the most gifted pass rusher in the NFL. Uh, and I, I don't think that's really an argument at this point. And when you look at physical traits, size, length, uh, build, weight, and then the bend in mobility, all that stuff is special and rare. Uh, So physically, he is the most gifted guy. And then when you look at his ability to set pass blockers up with, you know, really crafty, shrewd uses of stutters and hesitations, Um, I think that that's, you know, really good and his ability to use his hands as well in a variety of different ways. You know, he's a big cross chop guy. Most of his sacks have come from some sort of chop down on the blocker's arm or hand. Um, And with his quickness side, you know, quickness, speed and bend, he's able to capture that corner so quickly. And he's also able to, you know, bull rush guys as well. He's pretty powerful. So he can win in a variety variety of different ways um and what he's doing this season is just you know i mean he has 13 sacks and every single one of them is high quality i mean he has nothing cheap he's beaten some very good competition you know he he has one rare high quality sack against laramie tunsil which was like a stutter cross chop rip move which is one of the best sacks of the season by anybody uh, he has one against Makai Becton. He has one against uh, Jonah Williams. So these are some, you know, good or better players. But again, you know, he's taken advantage of some bad competition as well. It's just Miles Garrett is able to so easily dominate those guys. It's just, uh, it's crazy. I mean, he has two sacks against Jerron Christian, who has since been benched. Two sacks against Terrence Steele, backup. Uh, he has a sack against David Questenberry. He's a third stringer. Um, a sack against Andrew Thomas, who's been a you know one of the worst left tackles in the league. He has uh, two more two more sacks against Cincinnati offensive linemen that are backups, Fred Johnson. Um, so the most of his sacks are against bad competition, uh, but he's beating these guys soundly. Like I said, he's also beating some you know the highest level of competition soundly. Uh, he's killing a lot of drives. I think he has. 10, 10 of these sacks, I think, are or nine of those sacks have killed drives, um, which I track that as well. He has four for, forced fumbles, um, which I think is tied for the NFL lead. Uh, he's just, you know, he. I think he's taken his game 
to the level that everyone envisioned it can get to this season when he was drafted out of Texas A&M and he's missed a couple of games as well. So, you know, it's just, it's really incredible what he's doing. And really it, he, we know what an athlete he is. We know the quickness and the strength and the bend, but he's clever, right? I mean, that's what you're he talking is. about. He's got, it's not just that he's athletic. It's that this guy has tools and he knows how to use them. And like, he's, I think you said he's crafty, which is that to me is when you take a guy with that level of athleticism and you add this technique and this craftiness, that's when you get a guy like Miles Garrett. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's the understanding of how to set up a guy, you know, a pass blocker, a tackle, a guard, whatever it is. And, you know, knowing their weaknesses or, you know, there was a uh, mic'd up uh, segment that I posted on my Twitter uh, earlier in the season. It was against Washington uh, early in the year. He had two sacks that game against Jerron Christian, but he was talking about, he's like, yeah, I've been selling power to this guy all day. I'm just going to eventually be able to go outside of him because he's not expecting it. I mean, stuff like that. He's setting guys up. He's bull rushing, bull rushing, bull rushing, and then hitting the cross chop because I wrote an article on my site as well about the cross chop, breaking that technique down. And what makes the cross chop effective is when a guy is able to have a bull rush to set it up because the cross chop sells a bull rush initially, and then it crosses over and chops that outside hand of the blocker and captures the corner. So having that power is really important to be, to being good at the cross chop. Most of the guys uh, across the NFL who use the cross chop set it up with some sort of power move. So Miles Garrett understands that he's able to set guys up with the power, use the cross chop as a, you know, kind of that counter off of it. And then he has counters off that counter as well. So, you know, when you have a guy who has two, three, four different ways to beat somebody and he can win outside down the middle or inside, that's when you start getting into the truly elite type of like highly skilled guys in the league. And I think he's really close to being one of the more skilled guys as well. I still think, you know, I think Joey Bosa might be the most skilled pass rusher I've seen. Um, but Miles Garrett isn't that far behind, I don't think. And I, again, what, what your study and the way you analyze this does is I think it, you talk about not just again, the raw numbers, but the type of sacks and what they do. And, and, you know, here in Cleveland, we've done a lot, become enamored with the Miles Garrett strip sack and the way that I mean he's changing games with that. And the idea that you're talking about how many times he's ending drives with his sacks. You're, I think, putting numbers on the idea of this guy isn't just a good pass rusher. Like he's helping the Browns win. I'm sure like when you watch this over and over again, we see it, but this is a defense in Cleveland that has some problems. And it feels like sometimes it's like, okay, hold on for dear life as long as you can and hope that Miles Garrett's going to do his thing. And he's either going to get a sack on second or third down to shut a drive down. He's going to knock a ball. He's going to get a strip sack or something. But it's it's not just the numbers. It's what he does to change games for his teams. That's I mean, it feels like to me that's what you're showing with some of your analysis here, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, they say fo football is the ultimate team game, and for good reason, because even for pass rushers, I mean, coverage is important. They play off of each other, right? There's a synergy there with coverage and pass rush. The better the coverage, the better the pass rush and vice versa. So, you know, I, I don't watch secondary play, uh, you know, in much detail, so I can't speak necessarily to their secondary and how good or, you know, bad it is or whatever. 
but you know, from just generally watching the game as well, I don't think that they have like a top high level secondary. Um, I know Denzel Ward's a good player and, you know, they have some pieces or whatever, but you know, so you have to factor that into this as well. And then also on the offensive side of the ball, the more points that are scored helps pass rushers because it puts them in obvious passing situations where they're able to just pin their ears back and go. So when an offense is scoring, you know, 25, 30, 35 points a game or somewhere in that range, and it's forcing the opposite offense to pass the ball more, that helps pass rushers as well. So all that stuff should be factored into the evaluation, I think, of pass rushers. Um, and, you know, with all that considered in there, I just think it makes Miles Garrett even better um, or more valuable, I should say. And, you know, the force fumble thing is huge. The killing drives is, is obviously that speaks for itself. You're getting the offense off the field yourself. Um, and the reason why I like this high quality thing and, you know, charting it that way is because it's saying that he's not just ending drives because he stumbled into it. He's ending drives solely based on his ability and his ability alone you know, within that context of coverage and game situation and that kind of stuff. But I mean, you know, he, to me, like I said, like he's, he's up there, you know, he, he's like one of the two or three guys off the edge that, you know, that anybody would want, you know, in the NFL. I think he's you know probably like a top two edge rusher. And again, with, with I think in sack score or the number of high quality sacks, he's number one in, in multiple rankings number one in sack score which is the overall uh score factoring in force fumbles you know high quality low quality all those type of sacks he's number one in that he's number one in high quality sacks as well so yeah he those are the two most important things i think that really speak you know most to the ability of the pass rusher and i he's leading in both of those uh comfortably all right, I'll let you go with this one, Brandon, because we're, we can't give away all your secrets. We want people to go read Substack and 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 subscribe to you and and read your stuff there. But when you, when we think about this, and and you're such an expert on this, I'm trying to put it in context for some people. Do, do you, is being an elite pass rusher is it as rare as being an elite quarterback? Like, is there any? I've been doing a thing all year where I've been ranking the young quarterbacks in the league. And I put about one one hundredth of the analysis into it that you do, but I'm trying to draw some parallels of like, Hey, you know, you have Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and some of these young quarterbacks like that. Is, is there only a handful when you say miles is one of the one or two, you know, best pass rushers in the league. When you think about miles Garrett and Joey Bosa and Hassan Reddick, and you know, maybe Nick Bosa is when he's healthy or a guy like Chase young coming on. Are these guys pretty rare? I mean, in the end, are they are they rare that they are almost as rare as a Patrick Mahomes type of quarterback? Well, uh, I wouldn't put Hassan Reddick anywhere near their company, even though he is second in sack score. He's having a great year, and he you know he had a big game and that kind of stuff. But yeah, so just a you know little caveat there. I think T.J. Watt is more so in that kind of conversation. Khalil Mack. Um, you know, those are probably like the four or five top guys, but I mean, you know, I think edge rusher and defensive tackle are the deepest positions in football. So there's a lot of good or better players at those two positions, just the defensive line across the board in general. That's where I think more talent, you'll find more talent there than you will at any other position in the sport. 
Um, so from, from that perspective, there's way more high quality players at those positions. And edge, if we want to specify edge rusher, there's many more high quality players at edge rusher than quarterback, but there's two of them on the field at the same time, as opposed to one quarterback. So there's more players in the pool altogether. So, you know, it's, it's not really an apples, apples, com- you know, comparison either, but, but, you know, trying to stick on the comparison um, as far as truly elite guys, I think it is probably close to being as rare, but not quite as rare as quarterback. I think quarterback's the hardest position to play in football, maybe in any sport. And they're therefore they're the hardest to find. So um, I, I think it's, you know, there's more elite level edge rushers than quarterbacks. I don't know how many quarterbacks we would consider elite right now, maybe like definitely less than five, um, you know, and I think that it's for edge rusher, there's probably somewhere between five and eight, okay. you know, maybe at, at, at the most. So, you know, there, there's a few more, but, and, and there's many more quality in general guys than quarterbacks, but, you know, I think at any position in the NFL, when you're talking about truly elite guys, uh, you know, the tier one that, you know, there's never really many more than five of those guys at any one position. I don't think. All right, I, I got to ask one more, Brandon, before I let you go, because I think Browns fans would kill me if I didn't ask. I know, so you're watching the sacks. Maybe you're, you're not watching every single play that Miles Garrett does in the game. Does he get held a lot, though? Do you have any opinion on whether Miles Garrett gets held? Because I think Browns fans think if he didn't get held, he'd have 50 sacks. Is that yeah. just life as an edge rusher, or do people hold him more than other people? Um, I mean, I haven't noticed. If, if it wasn't a thing on Twitter, I would have never really, like, probably noticed it, you know? I mean if you're at that level, you know, with Khalil Mack and, you know, TJ Watt and Bosa, I mean, you're going to get a lot of attention. You're going to get a lot of physicality from blockers and maybe some borderline holds or some glaring holds. But, you know, truthfully, I don't think there's a lot of glaring holds that go uncalled in the NFL. It just, it just doesn't happen either way, offensive or defensive. Um, You know, there's some version of holding, that you can maybe, you know, fit into some kind of box, you know, on almost every play. I think there's some accuracy to that. So it just depends on, you know, how you're looking at it. But, you know, from those Browns, you know, tinted glasses, I think some fans, you know, may see a little more than there is. Yeah. And if there was a draft that you were starting a team and there was a draft and you had to take an an edge rusher and you had the first pick of edge rushers, who would you take? I'd take Miles Garrett. Okay. Yeah. All right, Brandon, I want people, where can people follow you on Twitter? Cause that's a good way to keep up also with everything you're doing. If they want to do that. Yeah. Uh, Twitter is at Brandon Thorne NFL. At Brandon Thorne NFL. So do you ever get sick of it? Like, do you ever say to yourself, I can't look at another edge rusher. This is driving me crazy. Or do you just love it? No, I love it. I mean, I've been focusing on offensive line primarily for the last, you know, seven, six, seven years that I've been doing this. And uh, naturally, I watch a lot of edge rushers and defensive tackles because I'm watching the, the linemen that, that are blocking them. And over the last few years, I've kind of just really flipped it over more often and watched it from their perspective. And uh, because I study them for an event I go to every year called Offensive Line Masterminds uh, in Dallas, Texas, where about 30 to 50 NFL offensive linemen gather every year and it's basically a seminar breaking down pass rushers. So I got a, you know, a job basically of breaking down pass rushers three years ago that we could study at that event. 
And uh, that's really what started all of this interest, I think, uh, in pass rushers and learning about them and what they do well, when they like to use certain moves. Um, and I, you know, it helps offensive linemen, I think, in a lot of ways. So that's, that's what really kind of spurred it on. And then now I've kind of taken it in my own directions. Wow. Fascinating. Fascinating stuff. You made us smarter. Uh, we appreciate the work you do. It just it's fun when the rest of us can kind of sit back and let people like you teach us more about the game. So Brandon Thorne, uh, we appreciate you taking time out of your day to join us. And for everybody listening, thanks for diving in on Gotta Watch the Tape.